Good morning. Thanks for tuning in. This is Sunday Recap, the weekly edition of the Grace Bible Church podcast, where we talk about life and faith based off of our sermon this past Sunday. For more podcasts and recordings of our sermons, visit begrace.org slash podcast. For more information about Grace Bible Church, visit begrace.org. I'm Joey Cologne. I'm Chris Webster, the assistant pastor of singing and screenifying. I'm Jim Wilson. I'm Dave McMurray. Well, thanks for joining us. We're without Kendrick and Elliot again. Boo. I know it's the worst. I don't know what I don't know what we're supposed to do without them. It's never the same. It's always better with them. But well, uh, this week we're talking about Luke chapter seven. This is our is this our final week in the Stories of the King series, or do we have like one more? Two more, I think. Let me check. Okay, two more. I don't know. You sent out your plan, and I didn't look at it before we started, but then I just remembered it was close to the end. All right. Also, oh, is this our 50th podcast episode, or did I miss the 50th? This might Ooh. be our 51st. Fifth. Oh, I might have missed it. I don't know. I we'll know. find out when it goes out, huh? I know. So I was thinking that, that we need to uh, do something special for our 52nd, because that means a whole year of podcasting since we do once a week. Oh. And I was trying to think through things, so maybe people can help us think of think of things. I was thinking one thing would be interesting, well, a couple of things. Man, we're never going to get started today. <laughs> well, uh, one thing I was thinking was we can I can go through and listen to a bunch of different podcasts and write down quotes of people. And we all have to guess who said which thing. Mm. I think that's a pretty good one. I like that. But it's a little rough because Chris and Dave talk the most. Mm. So like 60 or 70% of them will be Chris or Dave. So that's a cheat already. Yeah. Can, can one of my then quotes like, be... Mm. Mm. You can't give it away. Now we can't do it. I, did, I missed the 50th podcast, guys. I am sad about that. Oh, but I do want to hear... I want to hear from people who have listened to all 50-something podcasts. Oh, my goodness. I wonder if anybody wins that award. I know one person might have. That'd be <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I could guess who you're thinking of. Yeah. Uh, I also thought maybe it'd be fun to do like games and call people in so like we could be like all right we're gonna call so-and-so now blah 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 and then we skype them in and like they can i don't know do something with us on the show or we could just do it completely normal and not try and be silly or fun or anything no whimsy no whimsy Mm, if we we do whimsy whimsy, it has to be dave or chris that does whimsy (laughs) stuff So you guys have uh, seven days to figure out how to be whimsy on the 52nd uh, Mm. episode of the podcast. Okay. We're ready. And really, it's been more than a year of podcasting because we've taken some weeks off. So we're actually already past our one year mark from when we started podcasting, I think. But it doesn't count, right? If it's not numbered, it doesn't count. Yeah. All right. Can we do real stuff now? I Let's guess do that's real, real stuff. stuff. Let's be so real. Such good content. That was all real. So, that was real life. So real and so mm-hmm. serious. <laughs> that's why people listen to us, because we're real and serious. Yes. We're yes. real serious. Seriously. Seriously. <laughs> so much. Hey, uh, I looked it up. There are three more weeks in the Stories of the King series. Wow. I don't know if you heard me drop my ring, but there it went. Mm. Three more weeks of the King of Se- King of Sinners. Uh, stories of the King series. This week was King of Sinners. Yes. And you did it from Luke chapter 7, uh, the latter part of the chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to talk a little bit? Give us a little overview of the King of Sinners, what yeah, the story yeah. was, and overview. how it's related to sinners? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it's all about... Jesus' posture towards sin and sinners versus the Pharisees' posture. They were kind of freaked out that he was letting a sinner get close to him. And he was trying to demonstrate, you know, what how forgiveness works. And the story is one that's pretty familiar because it appears in all four Gospels, but it's like different versions. So it get, gets a little confusing. So you got a woman weeping over Jesus' feet and anointing him with oil. And we think that that's that something like that happens twice in real life and then gets recorded four times so then it gets real confusing sorting out which one is which. So we think this is a unique one 
and that the three other stories in the three other gospels are all a different occurrence towards the end of his life. Oh, wow. Yeah. But that's that's one of those really confusing things. You need like charts and graphs to, to make sense of the different stories because there are like different details that are recorded that make it seem different, but sometimes they're the same and sometimes they're just different aspects of the same story. So. But I think this is the unique one. This is a specially unique uh, situation. Huh. Yeah, that, I mean, that reminds me of other times like, oh, Jesus traveled into this place and healed mm-hmm. somebody, and then you hear he traveled in this place and healed somebody. Mm-hmm. And You're people like, use that, that a lot same to one? discredit yeah. like, mm-hmm. Scripture and its reliability. Mm-hmm. How, mm-hmm. how would you respond to that? Like, yeah, oh, well. I, I, th- I think I just encourage people to dig deeper because Scripture, if, if you don't try very hard, yeah, it's full of contradictions, but it doesn't take a whole lot of work to make sense of seeming contradictions and to sort out like, oh, okay, this might have been, you know, two different perspectives of the same story, or this could be two stories mm-hmm. that were very similar. You know, like you figure the guy for three years healed people and preached sermons. He's going to preach some of the same material <laughs> and he's going mean, to... you do it. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to heal some of the same kinds of people you know like it's gonna mm-hmm. and, and part of it is it stands out just so much like this particular one a woman anointing him with ointment or perfume that's just so weird to us but but that's not that crazy in that culture so so i think things really stand out to us as like this has to be the one time this ever happened because it's so weird but it wasn't really that weird in their culture so it could have happened like 10 times and we just got two versions of it or two stories when it happened out of the tent, you know. So that that's my general stance is, of course, things get repeated. And, of course, similar things get confused as the same story with contradictions. So I think from both sides it happens. And the, the other, was the other story the one where, like, Judas complains about her because it's so expensive. Mm-hmm. That's the other version of this. Yeah, that's my my belief. Again, you know, scholars disagree, but my belief is that was a actual different historical story that happened right before he died. And this this story that we studied Sunday happens earlier in his ministry. Is my understanding. Mm-hmm. Okay. So two similar occurrences, but different women, different times. One was a public center. One was not so much. But again, people, yeah, there's all kinds of debate on on every side of it. But the overarching theme and idea is what from the story? Yeah, the overarching idea, I'd say, is um, Jesus forgives sinners, Pharisees judge sinners, right? Uh, So you've got a conflict between how Jesus handles sinners and how Pharisees handle sinners. And so we have to think about what is sin and does Jesus forgive sin and are certain people not needing forgiveness or do they need forgiveness? And that's part of the parable that Jesus tells. I think for me, at least a lot of times we look at the Pharisees and we always think of those bad guys, but I always Mm -hmm. try and think, is that me? Um, Mm -hmm. I guess, you know, and so... I don't know. I, I guess it's. I'm kind of wondering two things with that idea. Is like, who are we in the story, and then also how does it culturally apply today? And you talked a little bit about that part. Mm-hmm. But like you know, you said, oh, it wasn't that weird. So what would not be that weird today? Mm-hmm. And and how would we turn? I don't know. How would we tell that story as if it was being told today? Who's mm-hmm. who? What's what? Yeah, Any that's ideas tricky. From anyone? That's tricky. I I think I mean you asked two questions, right? Maybe three. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean I think character wise character is one thing, cultural translation is another thing. So character wise, mm-hmm. I think we are always we should always see ourselves as the weak characters in stories and not the hero in Bible stories. So the hero is generally Jesus or God and the failure is the one that needs Jesus or God which is who we should be so I think we're called on as we read the story to say oh am I this sinful woman who's really sinful yet Jesus can still forgive me that's one way we could see ourselves or am I the Pharisee who thinks I don't need to be forgiven and therefore I'm being judgmental 
And so I think it's helpful to kind of look at both characters. It's a lot like the one we did last week with the parable of the two brothers. You know, you you can be both characters. There's this, you know, grotesque sin of the prodigal son, the younger brother. It's just, he's horrible. And oh my goodness, he's actually forgiven. And then there's the older brother who seems to be doing all the right things. But is, does he really have a relationship with God? Or is he like proud and distant from God? I think it's very parallel to, to last week's story in Luke 15. Um, so yeah, I think we can see ourselves as either one and we can move on a spectrum. You know, like some days I, I start to slip into being that Pharisee or being that older brother. Um, when in reality, we should all, no matter how good we are, you know, I'm an Eagle Scout. I should still see myself as the, you know, the sinful woman character that needs forgiveness and then therefore gushes over Jesus and, and loves him greatly. I think the cultural stuff, man, that's tough. I, I was trying to use wedding banquets to kind of set people up like, okay, that's a, that's a formal banquet where certain people are supposed to be in certain places which kind of adds some understanding of why it was so shocking that she approached. Um, and then I think uh, hospitality, I, t I talked about that a little bit. You know, we show hospitality with like a bathroom and a sink and a like welcome maybe at our front door or taking someone out to dinner. You know, like we show hospitality in different ways than, than they did back then. But what they did, that was very normal. To give someone oil, to give someone perfume, to kiss them. You know, all these things were very normal in their culture. Hmm. All right. I think it's interesting, too. You talked about, um, you know, wh where do we find ourselves in the story? I also, you know, you brought up the prodigal son at, or the... <laughs> the older son, whatever the story is <laughs> called now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the two sons. Um, mm -hmm. And I think I, I was reading somewhere recently, I think it's Keller that talks about um, that Jesus is, is the better older brother, you yeah. know? And he, so mm -hmm. I think that's, that's also an interesting thing to think through of um, what would Jesus do in the place of all these characters? So, mm. cause I think, I think you're, you're right. Like we address the, the, recognizing sin and repenting and coming to the father but mm -hmm. there's also the the flip side of that of how to correctly be righteous and mm -hmm. and so that's that's an interesting it, it's it's more difficult i think it takes a, more mental gymnastics maybe but yeah um so jesus who actually was righteous would still have come to to gush over over the father say if you know mm -hmm. if jesus is the holy figure you know so i again i know that's harder in this story but um mm -hmm. i think there's always this flip side of what to do when you're sinning and what to do when you're actually are living pretty well or what to do you know mm -hmm. when you're sad or what to do when you're rejoicing what to do when things are bad and good and i think um that was just a thing i was trying to to go through in my head too of what would Jesus do as the, the good example of what a Pharisee was supposed to be? Um, it's harder with the, the sinful woman, you know, because Jesus didn't sin. Um, but I think, mm -hmm. again, even he would come and gush, right? Um, so yeah. that's, that's an interesting thing to not just say, well, if you're just deeply, you know, mired in sin all the time, this is how you should act. But also, no, when you're like, you know, when you're standing up straight and and trusting God, Jesus is an example of that as well of what what mm. you should do. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm. for sure, mm. yeah. Praise, praise. Uh, for us, comes through the sin and the forgiveness and the debt. I mean, that's the parable Jesus gives. But yeah, I think you're right. You see that kind of praise and trust in Jesus's life, regardless of not being a sinner. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think the points, what were your main yeah. points? Main points were sinners gush over Jesus, Pharisees avoid sinners, and forgiven sin produces love. So, yeah, we talked a little bit already about the gushing part. That's, yeah, uh, culturally different for us. I, you know, I talked about how there are ways to to do that in our culture. I think singing is the primary way we we purpose to praise and thank God corporately. We do that privately, but you know, there are a lot of other ways that we can thank Jesus and gush over Jesus. I talked about even approaching um, scripture, you know, like being students of the word, being hungry for the word is actually a kind of gushing over Jesus. Like we're hungry and 
studious and wanting to get in the Bible and spend time with God and hear what he has to say. Um, we don't always think of that as an emotional praise or gushing or loving of him, but that is that is what it should be. Yeah, that brought me back to thinking through uh, some, some of the conversations we've had even in this podcast in the past, but mm-hmm. um, being aware of what what types of activities, especially spiritual Godward activities, stir your affection, stir mm-hmm. your emotions specifically mm-hmm. uh, towards Jesus? I think um, I, I find this strange pattern. I don't know if everybody feels this way, but in my own life, it's like this separation of, um, like, so for me, obviously, music moves me deeply, mm-hmm. but I kind of find myself. Uh, segmenting the spiritual life okay i'm gonna read my bible and study and do this brain activity and that's really the true spirituality that's really the Mm. true true interaction with god Mm -hmm. and then and then music maybe maybe that's a maybe the music side is a a, a, you know a byproduct of i i'm choosing the song so i I mistrust my own ability to choose perfectly or whatever but but Mm. to not discount that there are ways in which you are stirred in a good way by truth Mm. um to, Mm. to feel correctly and to to make that a spiritual habit, not to just avoid that or write it off, but to actually mm. um, mix that into your 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 daily life. Because um, I think, again, it's like some people can be looked down on when they're overly emotional with music. I've seen that happen. I'm like, oh, you like music too mm. much, and that can't, it's true. That shouldn't be your only intake of truth. Is just songs written by men about God. You know, it mm-hmm. needs to be coupled with scripture, but don't. Don't discount how that actually has a deep effect on your life as well. Does that, mm-hmm. does that make sense? Like, don't just like look for things that that cause you to gush, I guess, mm-hmm. and and be aware of that. What what are you know your tuning fork? What makes what makes you uh, resonate? Mm-hmm. I mean, the outdoors is huge for me. I feel yeah. I've loved doing the outdoor evening service with the sunset because I just yeah, it feels. Uh, I feel a stronger awareness of God's presence in nature hmm. and it's exciting. And I think, uh, yeah, it's easy as you, you move through life, it's easy to just kind of shut down. Well, that's my little, uh, preference. I think in ministry, you're always setting aside preferences to serve people. So like, that's my preference. So I don't really need to waste time on that, <laughs> but yeah, I think that's a good, a good reminder. It is good to pursue those places and experiences where it, we are best attuned to praising God. When I think to to put that in this current, you know, cultural moment of the mm-hmm. coronavirus and, you know, this distancing, I think what I've noticed is a lot of our just uh, so much has been stripped away from our normal rhythms and of our lives. Mm-hmm. And there are ways that we used to just stumble upon God mm-hmm in a sense mm-hmm. <laughs> so like like you might find yourself sitting in a in a room more often you know just now than you ever did or not going as many places or something like so, so for you sometimes you would just have naturally in the course of life been outside more i know that's not true of you but i'm saying someone who is mm-hmm. is used to you know where, where they really resonate in nature it's kind of been stripped away or could be that. And I think mm-hmm. what's interesting to me is I'm noticing a lot of people feeling a deep spiritual angst right now uh, because mm-hmm. we don't just naturally stumble upon these moments as, as often. Mm-hmm. And we need to be aware of that, that that could warp our view of who God is mm-hmm. momentarily. Does that make sense? Like when yeah. the normalcy is gone, you start to feel maybe God isn't who I thought he was because I'm not feeling like he's, who I thought he was, mm-hmm. but you have to be aware of those emotional. I, I know I've found that for me. Does that make sense to you guys? Have you all noticed any of that? Like, mm-hmm. like, man, I've got to chase things that I used to just run into by happenstance before this whole coronavirus hit. Uh, it's made us more appreciative of the peace that we do get through some of those things, mm-hmm. the connection that we get, I think. Uh, you know, because when we can go somewhere, we're isolated away from all the restrictions. 
and so, you know, and for that's that's nature. We get to go places where we can hang out and mm. you know appreciate what God is doing. And and sunrise this morning was glorious. I mean, it was mm. incredible. But those mm. kinds of things, when you get to see sunrise and sunset, and and it's you don't notice that when you got a mask on most of the time and you're. <laughs> <laughs> You're following the rules. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think for me it's been invigorating because it's been the opposite. It's forced me to be yeah. in nature more. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's cool. So, like, that's it's cool. actually, I'm like, oh, yeah, nature. Whoa, this is awesome. I've been in my backyard way more. And, uh, of course, with the heat, not as much in the backyard. But then about the time it got hot, we started doing the outdoor worship services. So, mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've really enjoyed being in nature more. I think the the place where I've stumbled is loving strategic ministry and planning for the future and like, okay, Lord, you're not going to let me do that anymore, you know? Mm. <laughs> like, is that gone forever? Because it's so hard to plan strategically because everything keeps getting messed up. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I think when you were talking about this, the question I wrote down is, can we approach God and show our affection? And mm -hmm. I think, mm -hmm. I, even as I say it, I think it's hard for people sometimes to really emote, mm -hmm. to really mm -hmm. do things besides the, uh, the way we learn to do it in our mm -hmm. current evangelical setting. And oh. so we, we don't feel free sometimes to show the affection uh, that's going mm -hmm. on here. We don't we don't gush. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Any other ways we can gush? I mean, your examples were what singing and reading your Bible, pretty much. Journaling, I think you mentioned. Journaling, I mentioned in one service. Um. I think telling yeah. this telling the stories is a uh, way yeah. we go. Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. Telling other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Maybe yeah. even giving and serving. I mean, I mm -hmm. I, I think <laughs> that sounds so obvious, but mm -hmm. I I think just I had just a strange little moment. You know, we've I think in in Colleen, there's a lot been a lot more homeless people kind of mm -hmm. visible uh, mm -hmm. than than ever before. I think there mm -hmm. always has been some and. I don't know. I just went and like bought a Gatorade, a couple of Gatorades for some guys I saw sitting outside of CVS. And it was just this strange moment of like remembering this whole process of, oh gosh, God gave me all the money I have to be generous. Mm -hmm. It felt like a strange gushing thing of like, I, God helped me, you know, continue to have mm -hmm. an attitude of, I don't own my own money. I'm not grasping it. I'm not. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? And so. Yeah. So even just generosity um, can be a gushing thing, because, and and when you're not doing it, it's a very obvious. I don't think God's given me anything. Mm. I think I've I'm mm -hmm. scrapped it together myself, and I'm so a that's miser. A temptation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm an orphan and a miser. That's good. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, which flows into your second point too, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Not avoiding sinners. Uh, mm -hmm. Pharisees avoid sinners is your second point. Mm -hmm. And you say stop avoiding sinners. Mm -hmm. I, thought, uh, I thought this was the point where you'd get the most hate mail if you were going to get some. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, it also made me think of... Uh, man, now my brain, brain is blanking. Uh, you know... The Good Samaritan. Oh, yeah. That one, avoiding, mm -hmm. you know, sinners, people mm -hmm. who are untouchable. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Let's talk about this point. Let's get in more trouble. Woo! <laughs> get more hate yeah. mail. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, guess I, I haven't yeah. gotten any hate mail, but I mean. Well, I don't really. I don't mean real hate. I mean maybe some real hate. I mean, but yeah, I do sometimes. The, you're I hinting at the fact the that he touchy one. He talked yeah. about masks, right? That's what you're hinting at. Well, if you, not so necessarily, he, actually. Uh, I mean, oh, he did really? talk about masks, which would have been. I just mean like mm -hmm. hanging out with sinners. You know, like yeah, like oh, don't hang out with those those bad influences. They'll mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know lead you astray and like that. 
I think yeah. it's a very Christian thing to mm-hmm. to avoid sinners, actually. So mm-hmm. that's more mm-hmm. what I'm talking about as the point. But I mean, yeah. I guess yeah, it could be mass stuff too. But yeah. But so, what does it look like to hang out with sinners, like, or not avoid sinners? Yeah, I think it gets increasingly difficult for Christians to connect with people outside the church the longer they attend church and live mm-hmm. their life in community with church people. It just your life just naturally becomes more isolated as you dig in deep with people, you know. So there's a there's a kind of normalcy to that that's not necessarily evil or bad. Um, so I think as Christians we have to kind of be jarred or spurred on towards love and good deeds to use the language of Hebrews 10. You know, we, we kind of have to think, all right, do, do I know anybody that doesn't already go to my church? Or, you know, or do I do I have a, you know, membership at a gym? Or do I work at an office? Or do I have a, you know, am I in the PTA? You know, are there places where I am going to naturally connect with non-Christians? And it's different for everybody. You know, some people work in a really small office. They only work with two other people. And they're both Christians. And they go to church. And they spend time with their small group. You know, and just everybody they know is a Christian. So I think it's just helpful to to pray and think and say, Lord, help me, help me connect with people out there. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the irony is, is that Pharisees avoid sinners, but we're all sinners in one regard or another. Mm-hmm. We're saints who happen to still sin. Yeah. Yeah. And so when, if we're being pharisaical, we are mm-hmm. elevating ourselves in some way and saying, oh, but my sin's not their sin, mm-hmm. you know? And we ignore yeah. that the gravity of all sin has the same consequence. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really it's in, fascinating. It's, I feel like it's a pretty nuanced. I'm glad we're I'm glad we're trying to unpack it because I was thinking um, when you were talking, Dave. It's not just human wisdom to say you become like those you hang around with. Like that's actually mm-hmm. biblical wisdom mm-hmm. too. You know, yeah. ba- bad company corrupts good morals and. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's just this, this thing. I think w- one thought maybe that, that occurred to me was that just that we continue to co- see ourselves as, as individuals, as, mm-hmm. as loners. And so we're, we're continuing to say, I, am I hanging out alone by myself with other, with non-believers? And I, I, I'll go back to the study, the Porterbrook stuff we did forever ago, Dave, um, that was talking about it's supposed to be a collision of cultures so you're a part mm-hmm. of a people now and so mm-hmm. it's supposed to be this collision of your people your family with with unbelievers and so i think that's that's maybe one little little tweak i would say is it's never just supposed to be you all alone with no christian friends hanging out with with unbelievers mm-hmm. it's supposed to be that you are in a community of believers and you are thinking about how yes you and as an individual but also you as a friend group are mm-hmm. are displaying your love for each other in in a way that yeah. that overflows and spills out and goes somewhere else and isn't just hiding inside um your own you know subculture does that make sense anything does that sure, <laughs> clarify yeah. at all yeah, I mean, we we as Christians should have Christian friends, and as Christian friends, can we make connections with those outside the church? Um, yeah, I think there's the heart issue, and there's the strategic, mechanical. Oh wait, I don't know anybody. How am I actually going to know people? You know, like <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I think I think in the strategic mm-hmm. side, you're making a good point. Like mechanically, how it actually works, it doesn't necessarily mean. I go out and find a new best friend, you know, maybe yeah. it's my small group has our neighbors over, you know, a couple times a year or people from work. We invite people from work out to a barbecue, you know, like maybe it's just simple hospitality. Um, but the heart thing is part of it too. So that's, that's where it gets a little confusing. This is a heart issue and a, a practical, like, how do we actually do that? You know, how do we, when we have a limited social circle, how do we, open up the boundaries of that social circle. Um, but yeah, a lot of it's heart too. The Pharisees were like trying hard to avoid sinners. <laughs> that was the big yeah. thing I was trying to hammer at. Like, yeah, don't try so hard to avoid sinners. That's, that's not, that's not Christian. <laughs> and the situation, like the situation mm-hmm. in the passage is mm-hmm. it is a group of quote unquote righteous people and they don't want one sinner to come 
close at all. Yeah. yeah. And so that's that that's yeah, that's like yeah. they're already in the community, but they're like, mm-hmm. don't get close to us. You know, we yeah. don't you're gonna make us look bad and mm-hmm. yeah, that whole heart posture. I, I keep thinking mm-hmm. back to how I long for our small groups to have people in them that say stupid things that you know that mm-hmm. that have a chance and are feel safe enough to to say wrong answers and and then we're able to talk about it and not just like mm-hmm. oh man you you say wrong things get out of here you know you don't say <laughs> the right taglines every time we ask a, a christiany question you know mm. um yeah that would be great our small groups approachable in that way to someone who mm-hmm. doesn't know all the right answers yeah, it's a good question. So I guess your your challenge for this point is look at yourself and what you've thought of, who you've thought of as sinners, mm-hmm. and I guess challenge that and uh, yeah. take steps in f- befriending them and loving mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Op- open some doors. Yeah, so yeah, two, two steps. Look at your own heart, how you see people, and then what are some practical steps you could take. I think it was a little clearer in the evening service or clearer at just saying, I try to say this sometimes when I'm laying out options for people, I'm like, it could look like this. It could look like that. You know, like concentric circles, look at your family, look at, you know, I, I tried to be a little more clear in the evening service. Like, of course you can't perfectly befriend everyone. You can't love everyone. You you know, so pray that the Holy spirit would give you wisdom and be on the lookout for opportunities is I think a good way to think about it. Yeah. I just, yeah, I wonder just adjusting the view from individual to groups too is mm-hmm. different and weird, you know? So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like you were talking to individuals. Mm-hmm. Now, Chris is bringing up a good point about, yeah. you know, groups, but what does that look like too? Like, what has your group thought of as sinners and how do you use your group reach out to mm-hmm. groups? Of, I don't know. Interesting. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I guess my my caution was also towards I could see someone who actually loves hanging out with quote unquote sinners seeing this as okay see I just my whole friendship circle can be quote unquote you know we can we can yeah. be acting worldly and and that's okay and I think yeah I think that's the thing is like you can't just have worldly friends because you're yeah. part of a of family of Christ so I, not to right. not to hijack your point Joey but. I guess that yeah. was clarifying in my head. What I'm saying is like, if someone is tempted to just only hang out with people who have no moral compass, <laughs> say that's, that's not a license for that. But like mm-hmm, you said, mm-hmm. Joe, yeah. So to your point, yeah. What is your group? What is your group almost like afraid of or react to or yeah. Yeah. That's a fascinating question. Hmm. Well, yeah. So I think specific, just real tangible you know, single folks that are doing, we call it missionary dating, but you know, like (laughs) I'm looking for a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Jesus says, hang out with sinners. All right, I'll go find, (laughs) I'll go find a boyfriend or a girlfriend at the bar. That's not a Christian. Well, no, it's not a good idea. Don't, yeah, don't tether your life to someone, you know? So I think maybe a line that's helpful as we talk about this is the scripture talks about don't fellowship or don't partner with, those who are outside of Christ, but we also want to befriend and show hospitality. And so I think, again, that's a tricky line. Uh, we want to love people and embrace them, but we don't want to kind of like bond our life to them. You know, we're, we're told not to marry an unbeliever. We're told not to, the word is koinonia, but it's more like a business partnership in first Corinthians. It's like, don't, hmm. you know, don't, have a business partnership with an unbeliever. So that, you know, that's tricky. I mean, you can't do business with them at all. I think the, the meaning of koinonia is like an interdependency. Um, so I think as Christians, our posture should be one of giving and loving and serving unbelievers, befriending them in that kind of hospitality sense, but not like, I really need you and you're my only friend. You know, <laughs> I think that's a little mm. more, more dangerous. And surely people are going to have, skills in certain ways and weaknesses also they have to be aware of which which mm-hmm. is another need for a christian community to speak into that but i think yeah as you're as you are actively pursuing where can i go out there's going to be places that are not healthy for you as an individual because of your mm-hmm. weaknesses you have to say mm-hmm. 
man, I can't hang out with, you know, unbelievers there or in that way or in that amount. Um, but here I have, you know, yeah, again, I think that's, that's what we, we just, I, I know maybe it's just me, but I generify everything in my head and like all of Mm -hmm. us should do it in this one way. But it's like, instead look at like, Oh, I love to whatever golf Mm -hmm. or, you know, Jim, I love crossbows. You know, how mm-hmm. can I hang out, hang out with other people who love crossbows? But mm-hmm. then on the converse side, too, of just being careful and saying, I have a weakness in this way. So I can't, I sh- probably shouldn't make that my outreach if this is my type mm-hmm. of weakness. So mm-hmm. there, there's this wisdom that comes there. But, but like to your point, to actively mm-hmm. go and risk with the safety net of Christian fellowship yeah also yeah i think there's there are two extremes in christian history one is uh, i mean usually we use the terms fundamentalist and liberal fundamentalists it's all boundaries no contact with the outside you know separation is a key term that fundamentalists like to use a lot and then liberals it's like no boundaries you know uh, belong before you believe is a favorite term in those circles and you know, there are extremes on both ends where it's like, no boundaries, love everybody, who cares? And the other extreme is like, nope, all boundaries. And I, th- I think the gospel is challenging us to open up our boundaries, but also to be wise and be careful, you know, and not just give ourselves over to sinful influence. But we need to, we need to befriend and love sinners. So. Hmm. Yeah, thoughts on that point? Moving forward? Point three, forgiven sin produces love. Mm. Jesus tells a parable to explain the story. I love the whole, like, it's a story within a story. It's like a duck within a turkey. (laughs) Turducken, if you will. Turducken. That was great. (laughs) You said something later about softening our necks or something. (laughs) That made me think of the turducken. Oh, it oh, shouldn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> Softening our stiff necks. And I thought yes, of Mr. Duckett. That's you ruined it for me. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the story. <laughs> mm. Well, mm. this point made me think of something that happened this week. Uh, and I'm trying to find the exact quote. Mm-hmm. And I might not be able to find it fast enough. But at John Lewis's funeral... Mm-hmm. Um, the Reverend, oh, what was his name? Reverend War Warnock, I think. Mm-hmm. He was doing a benediction, uh, and his benediction was something along the lines of how Christ um, loved us into freedom and freed us into loving, or something like that. It was really yeah. good. Yeah, so I'm going to try and find it. Yeah. So you guys talk while I try and find it. I got to steal that one. <laughs> it was really good. I wrote it on my whiteboard because I was watching it in the uh, office. It was on Wednesday, I think, when I was in the office. I wrote it on my whiteboard. It was really yeah. good. I'm going to try and find it. Well, I'll jump to the logic, verse 47. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. Uh, mm. Just pointing out, Daryl Bach points out, that's that's <laughs> like saying, it's raining, for the windows are wet. So... The windows don't make it rain. Wet windows don't make it rain, and her love doesn't make her forgiven. They're just proof. Is is kind of the linguistic tie there. So, and that that ties in with a lot of what we would see in the book of James. You know, James uses the word uh, justified more in the proof sense, whereas Paul uses it more in the eternal, heavenly, forgiven sense. And so, as Bible interpreters. We have to not read the text like a computer program, <laughs> but we have to read it like human language with the the variances of how people speak. Um, and so this is one of those places where it could be taken in an overly logical, overly um, literal way. What he's saying is, man, her, her love is proof that she understands that she's been forgiven. Hmm. And then the reverse is, and you, Simon, your lack of love is proof of either you don't think you need to be forgiven or you're not forgiven, either one. <laughs> they kind of both go together in New Testament uh, uh, phrases of Jesus. So, you know, I came for the the sick, not the healthy, is one of the ways he says that. Um, and it's, it's an implication that you're not really healthy. <laughs> if you think you're healthy, you're not actually healthy, but he doesn't always explain all that. So. 
That is such a strange... I was just thinking, that's such a strange thing. So he was kind of rude to Jesus who he invited mm-hmm. to his house? Like, yeah. like, what does that mean? You know, like, it's like, hey, he hedge- come over to my his house. Bets. He was hedging his bets, yeah. Okay, so he was keeping a distance he kind of. He was keeping of, a distance, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which goes back to the thing that I was saying earlier, like, who do we avoid? Who do we, you know, do we hedge our bets? Do we pull back from people? Because, well, we're not sure if they're good or not, you know. Mm-hmm. Jim, you were saying something? Well, I was thinking he was actually finding proof that Jesus was not a holy man in the mm. fact that he allowed this woman to come near him. Mm. So he was he was doing this, you know, verification. Like oh, it verifies my thoughts. You're not really mm. who you think you are. Mm. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's definitely we see repeatedly in other stories. They were trying to entrap Jesus. You know that mm-hmm. that occurs again and again. So yeah, that's an interesting theory. That seems very reasonable. Like mm-hmm. he could have had tighter security, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he let her get through. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, very interesting hmm. and I think uh-huh. I guess the only other thing is um, the the other side of this to the dangerous trap is saying um, I'm going to keep sinning and be forgiven and look how much I can love Jesus now you know and mm-hmm. Paul, Paul addresses that of <laughs> do not mm-hmm. keep on sinning so the grace may increase um, that's, mm, not, yeah. <laughs> that's not how you do it mm-hmm. but uh, yeah because that's you know you, so you bring brought up that the cross chart with mm-hmm, our, mm-hmm. our our awareness of our sin increasing or our, our neediness increasing and our awareness mm-hmm. of God's holiness and again that that's like this could be a little trap if we take that in an immature way if we say oh so every time I sin that's a chance for God's you know God to be mm-hmm. bigger and and yeah that's that's true, but that's not a reason to pursue sin. <laughs> that's not sure. the Grace way it may works. Right, yeah. right. Well, I think I found this quote, but I was looking at it without sound, so it might be wrong. <laughs> Let's see if I can do it. Let's see if it works. Send to freedom. Oh, too far. That frees all received into your glory. In the name of the God who loves us, send to freedom. And frees us into loving. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Mm. That was really good. I was like, That's I'm good. writing that down. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Let's do that. Just so, really well too. so the question that came up for me mm-hmm. is, you know, how do we how do we grow in our self awareness? Because hmm. uh, it's really easy to read scripture and just gloss over what I'm reading, not mm-hmm. seeing me in the picture. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's when we talk about the fairies not seeing themselves, not seeing their own sin. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, how would you describe a method for growth in self-awareness of mm. our sin? And that's a good question. I think um, I think taking risks is my simplest answer. So mm. when we don't take risks, we... We don't stumble. We don't see it. It's not public. You know what I mean? Like when we hold back, I think of the um, the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. You know, the guy that didn't trust the grace of the master, he says, I knew you were harsh and mean and unfair, so I took no risk. I didn't invest what you gave me. I hid it. Um, so that that's been convicting to me because I I tend to to be risk averse and want to like look like I have the right answer and like I'm I've got my stuff together so so then I'll be conservative and hold back and not not try anything you know Um, so I've tried to you know in my adult life take that to heart and like try more stupid things for the for the glory of Jesus you know (laughs) Uh, so I can fall on my face um I think another aspect is living in real community. Uh, so I think trying trying hard things and allowing ourselves to fail and then living in community where people can say, hey, hey, this this is an issue, you know, and inviting mm-hmm. actual actual comment, you know. Um, well, because you could live in fake community, right, and not mm-hmm. share things, not yeah. let people see who you really are, and then, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be able to get that feedback from the community. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Could be wearing a mask in community, mm. but not a physical one. <laughs> a metaphorical I mask. I was trying to think how how the Pharisees got it wrong too. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Cause they were they were trying to follow the law, so you know to mm-hmm. give them give them some credit, right? They they saw we've been handed this law, and mm-hmm. in some sense there was a man. We're gonna man up and do it, and you know, and obviously they twisted it. And so it was like, how, what are the ways they twisted it? I th- and I think um, it goes back to, you know, love God, love others, the summation of the law, basically. And you, you hinted at this, or you mm-hmm. actually mentioned this, that the, the danger of self-righteousness is you're pointing everyone to me, myself, mm-hmm. and my goodness rather than God. So that's mm-hmm. one thing is like remembering that we are on a mission and mm-hmm. the mission is not to point to myself, but to point to God. Mm-hmm. So, and the other side of that mission is it's an outward focused for others. Mm-hmm. It's not to me to just sit here in my beautiful righteousness and make my life as good as it can be. Mm-hmm. It is it is to be spent for, for others. And I think those are two subtle ways, or maybe not so subtle ways, the Pharisees maybe got it wrong was, was mm-hmm. they beca- it became, I'm going to sit here and build my own goodness. Mm-hmm. And then... And then without realizing it, I've replaced God because I'm also my methodology of helping anyone at all is look at how good I am and be as good as I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and and if you really pursue that summation of the law of, of love God, love others, like you said, Dave, you're going to keep falling short and realizing how bad, how, how important it is to not point people to yourself because even trying to do that well and really being honest about it. You, you realize, man, I'm, I'm not going to be the summate. I'm not going to be, mm-hmm. you know, the greatest thing there has ever been. But that's yeah. pretty abstract. But I, I don't know. That was where my brain went. Mm-hmm. Well, as you're saying it, Chris, I'm thinking there's this, this attitude of certainty and uncertainty at the same time, right? Our certainty mm-hmm. is that God sees us as righteous because of what he's done. But there's this uncertainty that we live with that says, I'm not sure. <laughs> that I'm doing all the things or doing things wrong or that I, you know, so mm-hmm. we need to ask God, help me see what mm-hmm. I'm really doing and mm-hmm. and how that's affecting my life righteously or unrighteously. Mm-hmm. And some stuff, I mean, like Paul says, I, I just do it. I, I don't, I don't try to judge my motivation. I just do what I think I need to do. But he's not yeah. talking about sinning. He's right. talking about not being unable to really measure, okay, did I do that for the right reason? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. good. It's really good. Hmm. Well, you told people to love others. You said one way to do that is meeting practical needs. Mm. Chris mm-hmm. already talked about giving away Gatorade. Mm. <laughs> I lost my heavenly reward by bragging yeah, about it. You bragged no. about it. <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> And then you also <laughs> offended uh, at least half the congregation, if not more, by telling them to call and check in on people unless they're under 30. <laughs> text them. Yeah. Which I appreciate it. I take some it. offense to you. It feels like, <laughs> it feels like, you know, when people are like, like, oh, well, I'm like 46 now. I can make fun of. 30 year olds or whatever yeah, I don't yeah. know how old you are are you 46 yeah. I took a shot 47. in the dark 47 close okay. enough yeah <laughs> took a shot in the dark but I'm like dude you you were one you were 30 not that long ago mm-hmm. 30 is not like a young whippersnapper that mm-hmm. much mm-hmm. and but, uh, and also I don't think 30 is the line for the phone call thing yeah I'm trying to think through what it would be and uh <laughs> You know, people who grew up without cell phones, so probably close to 30, I guess, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's more like 26 <laughs> to 27. 29.5. Can you do a poll on our Facebook feed? I will. I will do a poll, the, yes. <laughs> you can actually do them during live videos. We just never play with any of that stuff. Uh-huh. You can make it pop up right now. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, when you said that, I threw down my game of Candy Crush and walked out of the room. So, <laughs> just so you know, that's See, what happened. And that's think, how we know you're over 30. <laughs> yeah. I specifically told it crush. that way to make Joey twitch. Mm-hmm. That's funny. 
Yeah. No. I mean, <laughs> to be fair, I am not 30. I'm not arguing for 30-year-olds. Yes. I'm just... Just thought it was an interesting place to draw a line for phone calls. Mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. you to look down and be like, the younger generation and it be 30-year-olds, I thought was interesting. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Well, I need to work on that. I was trying to actually give them a break and say, contact people. Maybe phone calling is not the best way. And be funny at the same time. But I don't think you yeah, young whippersnappers are terrible. 45 and older crowd. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. I'm not 45 yet, Joey. Watch out. Get your Barnum numbers right, dude. It was a Kendrick Spells joke, because Kendrick always jokes about how he can't stand to be called, but we actually sorted it out. He really can't stand for other 25-year-olds to call him. That's what really bugs him. He doesn't mind when old people like me call him. Because you know how to use the phone. I know how to use the phone. You grew up on the phone. I don't just say, Mm -hmm. hey. Hey. I just feel like if you can remember recording a cheesy voicemail mm. at your house mm. for the old tape recorder machine and you can still recall yeah. it and repeat it right now, then mm-hmm. you're probably old enough that you still talk on the phone. Yeah. You ready for it? My beautiful wife and I cannot come to the phone right now. (laughs) We didn't answer the phone. We didn't have the time. That's just the beginning of it. So if you can remember that, I think you can take a phone call. I I have to just, let me air a grievance. When we moved from (laughs) tape to digital recording devices, there was a huge drop off in audio quality and it broke my heart because everybody was saying, oh, digital machines are better. And I was like, it sounded so crisp and beautiful when I had the little tiny tape. It was great. So, anyway, just I just had I to would, share that. It's always bothered me. I would imagine if you got a modern-day digital answering machine, it would be very crisp. Sure, sure. I just mean like in whenever that was, 90, initial 95 transition. or 98. Yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> I've just been inspired to answer my cell phone with Webster Residence. <laughs> See what people do. <laughs> May I help you? That's going to be fun. <laughs> Next time you call me, 45-year-olds. I just do the uh, Jack Bauer from 24 thing. Mm. You just answer it and you say your last name. Cologne. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really do that. Not now. Not now, Fusing a bomb. What is it? (laughs) I thought it was really cool when that show first came out that they all answered their phone by just saying their last names. Yeah. I gotta try that. I gotta try that. Okay. Well, I think we lost it. I think we're done. Uh, What was your conclusion? We didn't talk about your conclusion. Conclusion. Blah, 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 blah. He said, I went to lots of weddings this weekend. Cross your fingers. Blah, blah, blah. Just <laughs> Jesus. I don't know. Anything for conclusion or are we done? I was trying to skim your notes, but can't do it. My brain's not working. Jesus has engraved your name on the palm of his hands. Oh, mm. tattoos. That's what it was. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> so, never mind. I didn't know if that was a tattoo reference or a nail hole reference. Oh, maybe Ooh. it was both, Christopher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Scientifically, the nails wouldn't been in the palm of his hands, though, so it can't be right. Oh. I've engraved you yes. on the wrists of my hands. Yes. Yeah. No, but actually, science I think doesn't know everything either. But yeah, mm-hmm. I gotcha. <laughs> I know we had I had that conversation. Yeah. Go ahead. Just what were being you saying? silly. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I actually was gonna say that. I think I missed that in your conclusion. I probably was mm. talking to somebody or got snatched oh. up or something right at the end. Because I was very confused during hanging out in the lobby why we started talking about Jesus having uh, tattoos. So I came back <laughs> around now. to weddings and how, because of the formality, weddings are rare. Or, well, they're a rare place where we do formal stuff. Like in our culture, we don't do a lot of formal stuff. We still do with weddings. If you're in the military, you still have other banquets. But most civilians, like a wedding is the only formal thing you ever experience. Maybe a funeral. And... So it's really nice to have your name on the card. It's like this feeling of, oh, I really am supposed to be here. So we had a name card that told you where to sit. So you had a place to sit. And so I was just trying to run with the, she wasn't welcome, but Jesus welcomed her and the name card thing. And, you know, trying to show that's actually a biblical concept. Like your name is written in the book of life. And Jesus even goes so far to say in Isaiah 49, it's engraved on the palm of his hands. Um, and so, yeah, your name is written down. You have a place with Jesus. Mm. You're on the list. Mm. I like it. 
That's it. You're not a wedding crasher. Is that not the, a wedding crasher? The sinner is a wedding crasher. Is that? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. We're or we're welcomed as wedding crashers, maybe. Hmm. The welcomed wedding crasher. Mm, that would have been a better uh, name. That could be this name. Ooh, um, yeah. I've already got a couple that are pretty good. Do you want to yeah. hear them before yeah. we go off? Yeah, what do you got? <laughs> yeah. Test runs. All right. Welcomed wedding. I got to write it down still. <laughs> All right. Here are the three that I wrote down on the advertisement for buying <laughs> acreage. Riverfront property. I don't tell you anything about it. It's a really good looking advertisement and wants me to own a property in that picture but down by the river but they don't give any information on where it is you want to know their location it says sorry we're wherever we're everywhere this just this ad really bugged me and it's been sitting on my desk because it bugged me so much it looks like great it says riverfront ranch pre-development sale August 1st, and it won't tell you anything about the properties other than they're big and the cheapest one is $60,000. Mm. And it says, here's the location. One hour from downtown Austin. Mm. It's the mm. only location information they give you. Yeah, it's a pretty big radius. You want to know who else is one hour from downtown Austin? Colleen, Texas. All right. Ooh. Anyways, here are my three, three titles in the running. Obviously... We just talked about welcomed wedding crashers, mm. the metaphorical mask, mm. which is kind of from point two, mm-hmm. and then this is from this last point, and I think it's what I wanted to do, and I almost don't want to tell you because I wanted to be surprised. But Ooh. here's the one I like the best: sitting here in my beautiful righteousness. Mm, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> that's great. That's good. <laughs> Okay, I got to tell you a story now, and then we'll, and then I promise I'll stop talking. <laughs> okay, yes, okay. yes, we're out of time. In seminary, I lived on campus, and so all of our neighbors were all seminary students. We all loved Jesus, and I had woken up early with the kids. I was sitting on the stairs. The kids were playing, and my neighbor comes out, and he's like, "What you doing?" I was like, "Ah, oh, kids woke me up early, but you know, I'm trying to be a good dad and playing playing with them out here on the steps. You know, they're playing with the cars or something." And he was like, uh, he's like, and you're wearing it like a robe of righteousness, aren't you? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, thanks, man. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. Thanks here. Watch this baby. I'm going back to bed. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Last chance for thoughts or random stories or advertisements that you want to do. Uh, I've got some property I'd like to sell, but we can talk about it later. Is it a Riverfront Ranch pre-development sale? Yes. Mm. All right. It's ditch front property. Ditch front. Like it. And <laughs> forgiveness a, motivates love. Forgiveness motivates mm. love. It's a one-hour plane ride from Austin, Texas. <laughs> from downtown Austin. Downtown Austin. <laughs> Good luck finding a plane in downtown. <laughs> oh, my gosh. One-hour plane ride. That's pretty big. All yeah. right. Well, Thanks, everybody, for tuning in and putting up with us. Thank you. Um, we we try and uh, not take ourselves too seriously. So hopefully you got a taste of that today. But we will see you all next week. You can join us for our services online uh, on Sundays at 10.45 a.m., almost at 10.30, because 10.30 is when we ask for people to arrive if they're coming for the limited in-person gathering of about 60 people, 6-0. You can sign up at begrace.churchcenter.com I think that uh, was off the top of my head maybe it's right, mm-hmm. maybe it's that's not it. that's it, oh, that's good. it. Well, Thanks. and um, you can also join us at 8pm on Sunday evenings in the parking lot at church for the same service, just slightly shorter because we don't do announcements and kids songs I think, yeah. I don't really know I tried that's to shorten my, the sermon but I just can't, off. can't do it and there's a <laughs> secret bonus song Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, so mm, mm, mm. hidden content. It's always a hymn, too. So if you like hymns, <laughs> it's the time to come. That's the bonus content. <laughs> I made that up. Don't hold yeah, me to it. It wasn't this week, but <laughs> yeah. usually uh, I don't up. know if it ever is. I totally made that up 100%. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, we're out of here. Thanks for joining. Adios. We are going Peace. away now. <laughs> <laughs>